Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. This time, I want to talk about three things to keep in mind for creative compliance communication. Try to say that really fast six times. But first, I want to mention once again that I'll be delivering a webinar with the Clear Law Institute. That's clearlawinstitute.com on February the 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the webinar is titled Updating Your Code of Conduct Best Practices. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, different best practices on how frequently and what you should review with regards to your code of conduct, how to benchmark. Uh, what uh, new guidance from regulators suggests re around developing your code of conduct. It's going to be really wide-ranging. It's about an hour and 15 minutes worth of content. And also, for those of you who need to get CLE credits or CCB credits uh, for your CEP licensure, uh, both are available. Um, there will be a link in the show notes, or you can, again, go to clearlawinstitute.com and search for Code of Conduct Best Practices. So, clear compliance communication. What are some keys to that? And I'm getting a lot of questions, and this is actually, uh, this podcast is a result of somebody uh, requesting that I talk a little bit about communication recently. I think that at the beginning of the year, it's natural that we're all kind of dusting off um, our curricula, not only for training, but also for communication. And the idea of sort of uh, going through the same uh, processes, using the same uh, materials, using the same uh, the, the same strategies you've used over the last few years for for communication doesn't seem that appealing to many people. So I had a couple of ideas um, that uh, I think can, can be helpful when you're contemplating what you're going to do around communication. Uh, but first, I want to talk a little bit about why we're talking about communication and remind, uh, refresh those that already know and remind those that don't about the importance of compliance communication. In Chapter 8, in fact, 8B 2.1, to be specific, of the United States Sentencing Guidelines, we have the discussion of what is commonly known as the seven hallmarks of an effective ethics and compliance program. This is the golden rule, the uh, fount of all wisdom uh, with regard to what sets the baseline uh, standards, the, 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 the bare minimum, if you will, that you need to have an effective compliance program. And if we go back to, to the, the, the basic uh, rule, it's important to remember that when the Sentencing Commission talked about uh, training and, and communication, this is how it was presented. And it, it is sub B paragraph four that I'm going to be reciting. The organization shall take reasonable steps to communicate periodically and in practical manner its standards and procedures and other aspects of the compliance and ethics program to the individuals referenced in sub paragraph B, which is basically the entire organization. We'll do so by conducting effective training programs and otherwise disseminating information appropriate 
to such individuals' respective roles and responsibilities. So I think there's two things to keep in mind here. First of all, they use the term communicate uh, when they're talking about uh, what reasonable steps an organization should take uh, to disseminate this information. Now, while I, and I, and I think the reason why over the years uh, formal training, whether that's online training or live training, has sort of taken the front seat uh, here is because the second part of the paragraph talks about effective training programs. But then everybody kind of stops and they don't go on to the the, the last part of that sentence, the second, the second clause, which says, and otherwise disseminating information appropriate to such individuals' respective roles and responsibilities. That's talking about a communication plan, a communication program that's tailored to the audience of the organization. And it's important to note that we're talking about training and communication whenever we're talking about this dissemination. It goes all the way back to the sentencing guidelines, back to uh, the revisions that happened well over uh, a decade ago. So I, I, I start there because I think that there's still this feeling that uh, as long as you have the training regime under control, you're meeting this requirement. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case even if you look at the basic sentencing guideline standards, and that's certainly not the case that the expectations of regulators these days, uh, that's not the best practice. So what are three things to keep in mind so that you don't find yourself uh, with a program that's lacking? Number one is have a plan. We uh, Organizations generally are pretty good about having a training plan. Uh, they know they're going to roll out the code of conduct training at a certain time every year, or, or they know that they're going to roll out uh, the five modules that they're going to train on this year in these five months. Um, the, the formal training, you know, traveling to locations to train individuals or rolling out training on an e-learning platform, that's all really well defined with many organizations, or at least it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. What we don't see plans around, what we don't often, uh, as, as frequently see, are, are plans around communication. If you already have a training plan uh, that's an actual document, that's an actual formal training plan, uh, there's absolutely no reason why you can't adopt that into becoming your broader uh, communications plan, broadly speaking, that you know applies to the standard and the sentencing guidelines that I just talked to you about. And that will include the formal training that you're rolling out uh, as, as you have in the past, but also very specific instances of where you're going to communicate to the population on compliance topics and those individual communication efforts, which we'll talk about what those might look like here in a few minutes. But let's talk, let's talk a little bit more in depth about what a plan looks like. I think it's important not to just have the plan in the back of your mind. Uh, even if you're a smaller organization, even if you're only, for instance, expecting to do uh, quarterly communications, which if you're starting from nothing, that's better than nothing. Uh, even if you are only planning to roll out four communication initiatives throughout the year, I would still take the time to have a written plan. Um, also, uh, in, unless it's overly complex, as already mentioned, I think it's worthwhile to have that plan encompass not only your informal communication effort, but also your training. And then have a one-stop shop about when you're going to be messaging and on what topics and to what populations. And that leads to the other question is, what does this 
plan, written plan look like? And it's often a table or in, in an Excel uh, spreadsheet. Uh, and it often has a couple of different categories. One is obviously the topic that you're going to cover, whether that's code of conduct, whether that's a specific issue like anti-corruption, whether that's harassment, whether that's an issue like reporting and retaliation, whatever the topic is, typically, there's going to be some description about what the uh, general um, theme of that uh, communication and or training is going to be. The second uh, column, if you will, would be what what is this communication? What's its format? Is it an online training? Is it a short video from the CEO? Is it an email from the chief compliance officer? Is it a handout that you're going to give at a live event? Is it a uh, PowerPoint presentation with a couple of slides that you're going to send out on a quarterly basis? to the managers throughout the organization that they can then use during their live meetings. Whatever the format, if you will, of this communication is, that's something that you would typically see on that plan. The next is uh, frequency. Uh, is this going to happen just once or is this going to be something that's going to happen on a quarterly basis, an annual basis? Uh, you know, having some sense of whether this is something that is uh, repeatable or whether it's a, a one-off, if you will. Uh, another category that you're going to have there, and this comes again straight out of the guideline passage that I read you a few minutes ago, is uh, you know considering the audience, the respective roles and responsibilities. Who is this communication aimed at? Is it for everybody or is it just for managers or is it just for individuals in certain operations because of the risks that they face? A uh, perfect example here might be with some organizations anti-corruption. Perhaps you have a lot of domestic operations and those individuals that are involved in those domestic operations don't have any exposure or you, you're you pretty comfortable uh, through your risk assessment, don't have any exposure to uh, and, uh, foreign bribery issues, then perhaps you're going to uh, direct that communication just to the population that does. That gives you the opportunity, obviously, to have multiple communications on, and maybe you have one communication that works for one population and another communication that works for another po population. Uh, it gives you some flexibility around that. So uh, identifying the audience, if you will, would be another category you expect to see. Uh, those are some basic ones, and there's certainly uh, uh, curriculum uh, maps and and communication plans and and all kinds of uh, documents and and systems I've seen in the past that are much more sophisticated than this. Uh, but that gives you some basic items. Uh, bottom line, I would have something written down. Uh, you're more likely to uh, have a, 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 a more a sustainable and structured program if you take the time to actually uh, sit down and write out a, 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 uh, a, a plan, a timeline for what you're intending to do around, uh, around your communications and training. Um, it may seem like a, 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 a simplistic effort if you are a small organization and you're just starting out, but this is something to build from. And I think it, it documents the effort uh, that you've taken. It documents the thinking and the risk analysis that goes be behind uh, who gets communicated to about what on the compliance side. And that's an important thing to do. 
The second thing I would say about creative compliance communication is just that, be creative. Uh, do something different. Uh, more and more, uh, I'm, I see organizations kind of branching out, reaching out beyond what they've done in the past. Uh, your typical communication five to ten years ago on a compliance issue would be a newsletter or uh, maybe an email blast or a memo or uh, some other uh, written statement. Uh, more and more organizations are attempting to reach people in different channels. They're using social media. Uh, there are several of these uh, proprietary um, social media platforms that are um, uh, internal uh, platforms, but also uh, I've seen organizations successfully use uh, Twitter uh, and uh, LinkedIn and other platforms as well to communicate compliance issues, uh, to disseminate information and, uh, uh, and, and try to uh, uh, reach their populations both internally and externally more effectively. Uh, you're seeing more and more organizations use video. Um, the likelihood of your employee population clicking on a short video that's 15 to 30 seconds long that talks about a particular issue or broadly talks about a subject like retaliation or reporting is much more probable to 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 be successful than that same employee reading uh, five paragraphs in a boilerplate email it's just reality that's not to say you don't reach some of your population through emails. Some people are very diligent about uh, uh, reading and reviewing those materials and, and they respond effectively and appropriately to that. But you need to try to reach your entire population. And that means uh, just as we recognize in training that we have to use a multimodal approach, that we have to try different things to reach different parts of the population, the same is true for your communication activities. You're going to want to try video. Uh, there are um, uh, organizations and, and providers out there that are doing things like jingles. Uh, my good friend uh, Ronnie Feldman uh, from Learnings and Entertainment, who's been on this podcast before, for example, uh, if you go back, you'll there. I think there's an example of one of his jingles on one of our earlier podcasts. That's a perfect example of you know thinking outside the box, so to speak. Um, that leads to another topic that is worth considering when you're thinking about doing something different and and being more creative, and that's maybe uh, applying humor. Uh, to the subject. I know some organizations are still very reticent about uh, using humor uh, in discussing these serious topics, but uh, many organizations have also had some success. Um, uh, another way, uh, another way to be creative around communication is don't think about communications as only a one-way street. Try to engage the population that you're trying to reach. I mentioned social media before. Another way to engage populations, another communication effort that's been successful in the past is doing quizzes, doing um, uh, uh, scavenger hunts, doing uh, having some sort of contest. For instance, develop your own 15 or 30 second video about one of our values and, uh, and, and try to engage the population, get some feedback from them, get them involved in the process. That's an important part of having more successful communication and creating a better profile uh, for the resources available through the compliance office. Remember, at the end of the day, 
what do we all really want here? We want people to be educated about the risks that they face uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, but probably our primary and preeminent goal is to get them to reach out when they have questions and concerns. That's really what we want. We want to be proactive. We want to we want to address things as they're happening. Well, one of the ways to do that, one of the ways to be uh, foremost and in, in, in front of mind for the stakeholders in your organization is to be creative and to to hit them with video, to hit them with uh, social media and these other uh, uh, ways to have, uh, for lack of a better term, better marketing for your compliance organization so that when they need you, you're front of mind. I think that that is really important. And then the third piece uh, of what I see, what I've seen over the last few years with successful creative compliance communication is broadening the group of disseminators, broadening the group, broadening the group of those who are, are authoring these communications. You need to provide the resources available so that managers are conducting communication. I already mentioned perhaps you on a quarterly basis send out uh, some materials to the managers that they can then use in their own communication, their own meetings with their direct reports. The most successful disseminators, the most successful speakers on compliance and ethics issues in your organization are those managers who supervise the employees directly. If they are advocating for compliance, if they are providing information, even if it's just a small amount of information, then that's a real success. As I said before in the last segment, if the primary goal here is to get people, even if they're not sure, to come forward, ask questions, report concerns. Having those local managers be seen as, as uh, 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 communicators and and interested and involved in the conversation around compliance is key to those uh, people on the very bottom of the organization reporting. And it's key to avoiding issues around fear of retaliation that cause people not to report. Um, one of the things that we constantly are trying to do in our organizations is figure out ways to get managers involved. Well, get them involved in the communications. If you uh, traditionally, just to give you a very specific example, if you traditionally would put together a two or three paragraph email on a topic every quarter and send it out to all hands, instead of doing that, develop two or three short bullet points on the same topic, whether it be anti-corruption, whatever it is, and then go to those managers and ask them to uh, to, 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 to cascade those messages in their own communications. Now, the key to it, obviously, and there's I've discussed this in the past, and if you want to go back through the podcast, you can find some discussion about involving middle managers. The key here is obviously incentivizing them to do that, and we'll talk more about that at another time. But if you're going to have an effective communications program, the ones that I've seen that do the best are the ones that broaden the part of the organization that is actually included in the communication, who's actually delivering the communication. And that are those that, that would include those line managers. 
And if you, as you're doing that, broaden the spectrum of senior managers too, not just uh, uh, line managers, but senior managers that are communicating on these issues. Have operational managers, have marketing and sales managers, people who are known throughout the organization, have them deliver these messages on occasion as well. Uh, that's important too, you know, not not to, to, to only have these messages coming from the chief compliance officer or the compliance office or occasionally the chief executive officer, having it come from a diversity of executives and business unit leaders is really important as well. So those are three things uh, that that I have seen over the last few years that really can lead to effective or more effective than in the past uh, communication efforts around compliance. Uh, just to, 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 to sum it all up, have a written plan, even if it's simple. Have something down about what you're going to do. Makes it more likely that you're going to follow through with it. Uh, try something different. Uh, and again, uh, I talked about a lot of different aspects. Maybe you just pick one this first year. Maybe you're just going to try to do uh, four videos, one, one a quarter, short you know, 15 or 30 second videos on a topic and see if you have you know, the difference in response, the difference in engagement that you have uh, versus your traditional communication efforts. And then lastly, involve a broader group particularly uh, line management and other senior managers in the dissemination in the communication effort. It really, really can make a difference. So as always, uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Please get in touch with us. You can reach us either on the compliancebeat.com website or moreheadconsulting.com website if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions for future podcasts. So until next time, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.